Hi everyone, welcome to Black Rage. My name is Mac the Lion and I'll be your host for this entire podcast. Black Rage is a specialized program that takes a deep dive into the psychological conundrum of cultures in general while zeroing into the complexities of the black culture that has been hijacked and misunderstood up until now even as we try and unravel this present-day narrative of an enriched race contrasted in the culturality of humanity as a whole just buckle up as you are guaranteed to experience something in this journey like never before if you do find our podcast experience to be transformational please do avail us the opportunity to remain connected to you by subscribing to black rage so that you will be notified whenever a new episode is posted and uploaded you can rate and review our podcast even as you share with your friends and family alike thanking you in advance for listening to this very episode all the way till the very end you will be glad you did please enjoy now welcome back to the second part of trying to understand the culture all in this episode of black rage i have previously taught that the human spirit carries the life of the core of every human and within that human spirit is life and that life is simply vitality your vitality carries within it your unique characteristic that distinguishes your qualities that makes you different from another distinguishes you from others via the way of your attributes all in line with your designation that is in line with your purpose and the core of who you are then that life has a housing that housing is the line that traces all around it and closes up neatly forming a shape or a figure and that line is consistent down through an ancestry which is rightly identified as your lineage and that lineage becomes your configuration that configuration is your ethnicity your ethnicity being a group of people with consistent lines that produces a familiar set of features all in line with the peculiarity of their stock so they are most likely from the same great 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 grandfather as a result they have this uniqueness of lines that have retained itself and have become consistent there are people in a certain family line you see their ears you you can tell immediately there are some people you see their cleft chin you can tell immediately there are some people if you see their forehead you can tell immediately they are from this oh i think i know your brother i know your sister simply because there is a consistency of line that has run through the lean age or the line age and produced a configuration or shape that is consistent with them then we come finally having laid the foundation of the life now the line then we come to the being the being being the center point of the soul your mentality that's the center of consciousness the place of our parents this is where we deal with the soul and the soul deals with images which are visual then we come having laid the foundation of the life 
then the line that houses that life now we come to the being that dwells at the center forward of that life which is your mentality which is the center of your consciousness which is where your appearances which is where your image your visuality because the soul deals with reflections it deals with light it understands light even when you speak words to the soul the soul doesn't see characters the soul sees pictures and images because that's what the soul does the soul works with visuality the soul works with light and light produces reflection anything light touches it bounces up it creates a reflection that reflection passes through the eye gate through the eye sockets where the eyes are the windows or the shutters of the soul and immediately it enters into your mind and represents an image right in your brain at the center of your brain where the images are placed it's all a function of light if you remove totally a light source you won't see anything now that reflection all occurs in the soul so we made it very clear that the human is spirit first the body being next the third being the soul the spirit being the deep the body being the planes on the surface and the soul being the height so the deep is where the spirit is that's where the core of the life you have the body being the expression of that core life the animator of that core life which is where your lines that are consistent through the line age runs through which is now the configuration of that person and finally we come to the being which has to do with light and appearance visuality consciousness an image if you see someone that is constantly conscious of how they look their appearance it has to do with the image that means they care so much about their image of how they are being seen which at times contributes to their reputation of how people perceive them or see them to be which may not be exactly who they are on the inside because who you are on the inside has to do with your characteristics and your attributes but your characteristics and your attributes is one thing but your appearance and your reflection or your visuality of what people see is another so now we are going to look at three things the first which comes from the spirit is your personality the second which is a function of the body or the lines through the ages is your ethnicity and the third is your culturality which is a function of your soul the first which is your personality is carrying three distinct things that i have been able to isolate your type everyone has a personality type then we have your personality traits then we have your personality talent or gifts then we move to the next which is in the body which is your ethnicity and for some others you could also call it your tribe which is usually a configuration of lines that have run through the ages a product of familiar features emanating from a particular or a peculiar stalk so it's consistent by the time you see those lines you say, oh, this guy is part of an ethnic group of people. And it doesn't matter where you emigrate to or immigrate to, you will still retain those lines, literally. Because it's in your DNA, it's your biology. And when you have children, they will also take after those lines. But in our world today, most people dwell, marry within the ethnicity. And that's why we have people somewhat look alike as far as they dwell within their own people. There is similarities 
in their facial look within the extended family just because of that but if they leave their peculiarity then of course it will not be a dichotomy of two different bloodlines which will produce a certain stock that may be new but still carrying the features that are present in both source from which their bloodline was created or generated then of course we go to the culturality the culturality is your belief system and your norms the word culture means to cultivate it's horticultural it's a husbandry word it's an agricultural word to cultivate so how do you cultivate you plant seeds what are the seeds spoken words when we hear spoken words it produces images those images form in our mind and over time create our belief system and it normalizes it if a child grows up in a house where alcohol consumption is a way of life for the parents it will become a culture within that home and when that child grows up even as an adult they will find alcoholic beverage being taken in the confines of the home as a norm if they come into your home place and before they take their meal in the night and they request for a bottle of wine or something and you say we don't do that here we don't consume any kind of beverage alcoholic here now he may be startled because he will be wondering but that is foreign to me because where i come from we must always consume some level of alcoholic beverage when we eat our dinner so that is his culture. He brings it there. It's known to him, but it's foreign to you. That's why when people go to places they are not used to, there's something we call the culture shock because the conduct and the norms there are unacceptable to them. Or their own norms are unacceptable to the people they come to. So culture is always traceable back to race. I give an example. When we say the black culture, what we are trying to say, or the Indian culture, or the, the Caucasian culture. Whatever culture people mention, they always attribute it to a race. And that race brings with it color. Because every time you see race, the first thing that comes to your mind is color, tonality, appearance, image, visuality. So which traces again back to what we're talking about. So the cultivation of words from which the word culture emanated from produces images in the human mind. When you are spoken to, it creates images. The soul doesn't read text and ingest text. It converts text to images. That's how the soul works. The human spirit, on the other hand, processes and contains and retains text as text. But the soul doesn't. The soul converts it to images. Are you understanding? So if I write rules and regulations, for the way we will conduct ourselves in a certain environment. When your spirit reads it, it tries to absorb it based on the text and align with it in order to exhibit those conduct or qualities in line with that. But once it hits your mind, your mind converts those texts to images and the images become pictures of how you need to now conduct yourself for which those commands need to be aligned with and that's how your soul will be able to reflect it and try and absorb it and also interpret and express it now that expression is now done in the physical with the human body the human body expresses the spirit and by that expression it tries to animate whatever the spirit is aligning or instructing it to. So if you have a good spirit or a good heart, as some people say, you will have a kind personality 
which will reflect in your soul as someone that cares for others. And that caring nature in the soul, because nature is solical, that caring nature in the soul will be actionable in the physical as kind gestures or kind acts. You see how it works? So it starts with the personality, which I told you inwardly is connected to your culturality or your belief system and now expressible in the physicality as your ethnicity. Are you understanding what I'm trying to explain? So we are trying to explain this because I want to show you who you are, what you do and why you do what you do. Once you understand that, then you know how to pursue change in your life. If you know who you are, then it's easy for you to know what you are really doing and then you can now isolate why you do it. But you have to put the effort in. I'm just providing the tools that are necessary for you to be able to isolate this compartment and bring it to realization. I made it very clear in my last opening teaching that I resolve and I break things up into lines, into layers. And by so doing, I solve the problems. I address the issues with extreme accuracy, with extreme peculiarity, with a 100% approach of potential results. So I don't mix the words together. Every word I use is functioning exactly in its unique compartment. So now we are dealing with personality. Personality is individual. So every time we are talking about your personality, we are talking about one person, an individual. But once you move beyond that personality and take on a family or marry a wife or have a family and that family gives birth to children, who in turn give birth to children, who in turn give birth to children, what happens is that personality now upgrades to ethnicity. What started out as a spiritual individual who is just a person has now been converted into a tribe or an ethnic group of people who will have familiar features that are consistent with that group of people. But their personality will always be the process or the product of that one unique person that started a bloodline. And over time, it will produce strength and also produce weaknesses. So you have your line or your lineage of strength, which will produce some virtues. And you would also have some lineage of weakness, which will produce some vices. And I will explain to you how they come about so that I can help you to be able to make the qualitative change you will need and require in your life. Your unique personality is your personality that has to be broken into three. Now, I have made it very clear. Someone started as a person. He has a personality. He took on a wife, produced a family. The family produced other families and over time they became a tribe, a clan and even an ethnic group which still bears some semblance of the likeness of the origin of the first person 
from whom their personality produced that ethnicity. So the body of people always is traceable back to a family, traceable back to an individual that started that family. And that individual's persona is what must have rolled over time and produced not just a body of people whose facial and bodily lines are consistent down through the ages, but also persons whose character, abilities, dispositions, talents are still traceable or influenced by the core person who started that family. Now, because personality in itself is spiritual, it is not easily duplicatable the way ethnicity is duplicatable. What do I mean by that? I will explain this. If you have a child, or you have three or four children, they immediately take your biology from you. So their body will have the representation of your unique chemical compilation and your biological configuration properly mapped, which produced them. So the lines will be consistent, their ears, their eyes, their nose, and all that. I've heard people go to paternity court just because a child came out and it looks nothing like them. And they say, no, this cannot be my child. It's not possible. And after the result comes out, they now find out that it's actually their child. I've heard of mothers who say, people have stopped me and say, are you the mother of this child? Because they are so different in color, in tone, in lines. So at times in science, they call it recessive dominant genes, genes that are recessive. They are kind of dormant, just there. Then every once in a while it shows up and it brings a compilation of lines that are not consistent with the immediate family. So you may find a great aunt or a great uncle who have those exact traits, or should I say those exact uh, lines of peculiarity of which is not consistent, having now been brought forward again after a good time it had been in dormancy. So now that is the physical features of the children that man has had. But that man's particular character and disposition and abilities are still in him in his spirit man but the children will have spirits given to each and every one of them and even if they are twins or triplets they will still be unique individuals because the body dna configuration has nothing to do with the spirit the spirit comes from the source and in my own belief and understanding the father of all spirits the creator of the heavens and the earth and as a result of that, each body has to receive a human spirit. And the spirit will be different from one person to another. And because they are different, their personalities will always differ. Even if they are from the same womb, even if they had a split of the fertilized egg already, an embryo that produced them, their body lines may be the same, but their spirit will be conflicting. They will be different based on the personality types that are within there. But their father's original personality will still influence and impact the present personality of those children. And it will impact it first from the source, being his gift characters and dispositions. Then secondly, it will also impact them by their lineage, the bloodline, because now there are conduct and characteristics that have transcribed itself, not just from the spiritual foundation, but now into the physical execution of actions, which now become virtues or vices. 
that's why in some family you say that thing is consistent there i think they are under some kind of generational curse reason because they have a vice that always shows up every time every generation based on what i'm going to explain to us so that is how it works now from that ethnicity we now move to the culturality the culturality is the belief system there is a norm an acceptable norm of belief that is consistent with that body of people now the numbers have moved again first it was a person Next, he produced a family that produced a family that produced a family that became a clan, that became a large body of people, that became a tribe, and eventually, we can technically say, they're an ethnic group. Then, when they go a bit further and further expand and expand and cover the earth or their place, we'll call them a nation. And when they become a nation, it becomes cultural. That's why culturality have to do with a large body of people that think the same, that think a certain way. They have acceptable norms of beliefs within them. That becomes a belief system. And because it's cultural, the culturality of it is solical. It occurs in the mind. That's why you always hear the term the soul of a nation. You hear the body of a people, but you never hear the body of a nation. No, you hear the body of a people because ethnic groups, ethnicity is a body of people, but culturality is the soul of a nation. So which now becomes a belief system. So when you see a nation that has so much dissension, it's simply because a lot of ethnic groups were imported into that commune. And now you are trying to integrate all of them and it creates a conundrum, a confusion, a complex array of races literally trying to conform into a central culturality. And it's difficult, not impossible because People can go to a nation and imbibe and indoctrinate and change their mind, their beliefs to accept the nation they have moved into. And that's why when people go to a nation, to be honest with you, emigrate to a nation, they have to be willing to a certain level to change some core values of their belief system. If they do not, they will never integrate. If they do not integrate, then there will always be a people group and it will always be very easy to isolate them, irrespective of the fact that their ethnicity may be unique. Let me give you an example. There are people that are called the Roma people, right? Very common in Eastern Europe, Romania and the rest. They have a tendency culturally to be gypsies. You know, a group of people, they have their belief system. They have their cultures, literally. Their belief system, which is their culture of the way they should live, the way they should conduct worship if necessary, the way they should believe in God or gods or whatever they believe in the way they do business, the way they treat money. So they are called like the Roma people. Now, they are consistent and they are all over the world, literally. But everywhere you see them, the culture is consistent. Now, when you see the ones that live in Rome and see the ones that live in the UK and see the ones that live in America and see the ones that live in Brazil and see the ones that live in other parts of the world, in Japan and all that, you will see some similarities of their belief system. But each location where they are now living, they have consistently, some way or the other, absorbed some of the beliefs of that place. And the beliefs begin to change with children after children. That means by the time they get to second, third, and fourth generation, they start changing, literally. 
because they start absorbing the culture so they will tell themselves you know i'm an american now even though i'm gypsy i'm a roma people but i'm an american so they want to believe in the american ideals and the american belief system but the culture still draws them and toggles them on this other side so they have a choice either they make changes fast pace and integrate and once they integrate you can't tell them apart especially if the race is the same if the race is the same and i'm talking about the tonality the visual optics the image their visuality if it's the same then they will integrate perfectly now integration has nothing to do with race everything to do with belief system if everyone in a certain nation belief have certain core ideals that are consistent throughout the nation it makes them a nation and as a result it has nothing to do with their skin color one time i was in dubai i noticed there were some extremely light-skinned arabs in dubai i saw some that were so dark they would blend in africa beautifully in sub-saharan africa beautifully but they were not africans they were not sub-saharan africans not by a mile because their culture was consistent with the culture of the families that rule and are in charge of the United Arab Emirates. They were not just Islamists. They had other aspects of their daily life that is very consistent with that place. So you can't now say they differ just because their tonality of their skin. No, they are fully part. Maybe they, they had ancestors that emigrated to that land maybe 200 years ago. And somehow, some of the tonality have retained itself over time. But their belief system have over time adopted the beliefs and the ideals of the people of that land. And as a result, it now regulates their culturality. So you can't go in now and try and extrapolate their culture. I will give you another example. The largest community of Indians in the world outside the country India is in South Africa. The South African Indians are the third generation of Indians in the Southern Hemisphere and the largest body of Indians outside the Indian nation. Now, they have their uniqueness and of course, the texture of their hair, the long hair and all that, you could immediately isolate them. Then a few physical features, not just the skin color, but also because we have dark skin Indians and we have light skin Indians. But Culturally speaking, most of them still came from India. They came in as indenture workers that the British brought many years ago, three generations back now. Now, watch this, because I have been able to interrelate with these two unique groups. And I found out that the ones that are in India act or behave differently. The ones in South Africa, they speak faster, they speak better. Their intonation and accent is clearer easier to understand quite a good number of them are christians as against more of the ones over there are more hindus and they still have the hindus in africa i'm not saying they are not there but a good number of them are christians now what does that mean they absorbed the culture they changed and absorbed the culture of the caucasians that brought them to south africa and adopted their religion for example and changed to that then also they have lost the language and within the time i spent in south africa in kwazulu natal the time i spent there i never met one who could speak the original languages of india there i couldn't meet them i heard there were a few but they were too far in between i didn't meet any so what does that mean it means that they have absorbed they have integrated and they have become one with south africa so technically speaking they are south african both inwardly and outwardly but you will still say this is the indian community because visually to the eyes you can see 
that they are of Indian descent. They are not sub-Saharan descent Africans, but they are South Africans. So are you getting what I'm trying to explain? How culture has a lot to do with the belief system. And if you absorb the belief system of the people of the place you go to, you become part of that nation and the culturality of it. The challenge some countries are having is that they are giving people the option, or how would I put it? They are not encouraging the people to integrate, but at the same time, they want them to elevate the uniqueness of their culture. And at the same time, they want them to be a part of the nation. It won't work. It will only create a large fragmentation because cultures are meant to be national. Cultures are solical. I'm not saying that your inherent place or where you originally came from two, three hundred years ago will not still be playing out. I'm not saying that will not be there. That will always be there because it's visual. You can see clearly, especially if they have not intermarried, you can almost tell that their body lines are still consistent with their forefathers and ancestors. And as a result of that, you could tell this man is a Red Indian, this one is a Caucasian, this one is an African, this one is of Spanish descent, this one is French, this one is Irish. You can always tell that. But for them to be a nation and work together and be one, they have to think alike. Their belief system has to be addressed. And the problem is when culture is overemphasized and relegated to races, and not having a common culture of a nation, it creates fragmentation and division becomes the norm. And there are people who are peddling it, who are pushing it, because they believe that by creating that fragmentation, it gives them an advantage when it's time for you to harvest their allegiance through some political means and all that. And those things can be negative in the long run because it never helps the nation as it is. Let me give you for example, the Japanese people attended the 2018 World Cup. I remember something that happened after a certain match that the Japanese had with another nation. Immediately, the match was over. The whole crowd of Japanese people that came to watch that match and cheer their team to victory, they all went and started picking the trash and literally cleaned out cleaned up every trash they could find and trashed it properly, put it away before they left. They were the only nation that did that. You know why they did it? Because it's their culture. Because in the schools you are taught in Japan, even from childhood, that you shouldn't walk past trash on the road. You were taught, first of all, not to put trash on the road. And when you do pass trash, you should pick it up and put it in the nearest bin to you. That way, the community is clean and neat and tidy. We don't always have to wait for those who clean the community to come and take it away. That's a culture. And they exercised it and it was admirable to behold. No other nation did it by default. It was almost like as if an invisible force was telling them to do it. They did it excitingly. The reason they did it, they did no one told them to do it. They did it because it was part of their way. It was their norm. It was acceptable. In short, when people were throwing trash in the match and all that, they were wondering why are these people acting like that. So they couldn't wait for the match to be over and they cleaned up after themselves. It's a culture. So it doesn't matter whether you are lighter skin, darker skin, taller, short, it doesn't matter where you're original, maybe you came from Peru, maybe you emigrated from Chile, because they still have those communities in Japan. But if you were in that march, you would act almost in alignment because your belief system aligns with your belief system. So beliefs are usually more nationalistic. And once a nation does not work hard to bring the whole nation 
under a certain umbrella of belief system and thought pattern it will significantly weaken that nation and they will be losing and bleeding virtue and results based on the fact that the people think differently that's why you must understand that culture is national your culturality is national okay because of time let me go further because we could spend a whole day here let me explain something going back to what i have already laid so now we are dealing with three things and i want everyone to follow me first we're going to deal with personality individualistic second we deal with ethnicity which is a people group third we deal with culturality which is more of a larger group of people that you could call a nation even if it's a nation within a nation but it's a large culture of people that could be traced back to a certain large group of people that could be traced back to a certain ancestor which could be traced back to a certain individual so culture is right at the height the plains is ethnicity and the depth is the persona or the personality so now let's drive in first into what we have isolated as the personality you and i are individuals there are three things i have discovered i have resolved to be three unique compartments of the human personality first we have the personality types the personality types Second, we have the personality traits. Third, we have the personality talents or your personality giftings. And this all put together is what makes who you are. So your personality is the summation of the aggregate of qualities and traits and persona that clearly distinguishes one person apart from another of which is spirit in its core or spiritual in its core so your personality is an aggregate of qualities which we are going to look into now traits which we are going to look into and your persona or your type which clearly makes you who you are which sets you apart from the next person and distinguishes you from others so you need to understand what is my personality now first of all you have a personality type you are a type of person your type is like your disposition what is your disposition your disposition implies your customary moods of attitude towards life in general there is a customary mood of attitude which is a function of the way you were created or made to be. It's not something you picked up as you were growing up. Of course, it will form, it will harden, it will set in place as you grow. And that's why the way you were raised matters a lot. Because your attitude, your customary moods, your composition as a person can be affected at this point. But even at that, you cannot take away anyone's disposition. You can't because you are hard-coded that way from the creator who created you to be. The reason is because you have a purpose. Your disposition is as a result of your purpose. Whatever is your purpose for being on this earth is what will regulate your disposition. Whatever is your purpose, Whatever is the reason you were created, whatever you have come to this life to accomplish will automatically come with a conduct of position, a disposition, a customary mood 
a certain combination of temperament that must be an alignment of that life that is within you. And that will match your purpose. So if, for example, you have a bubbly personality that is a bubbly temperament, you're an extrovert, you like to talk to people, you like to stand out of the crowd, you like to show yourself or showcase yourself everywhere you go, you like to be noticed almost naturally. Your kids like that. They always stand out from the rest. They want to do things a bit differently. Very talkative, very friendly, very jovial, very relationship-driven as it were, very communicative. You can crack up a conversation with them instantly, easily. So they are a bit of an extrovert. If you have that type of personality, I can look at that disposition and start outlining what your purpose could be. I will know for starters, possibly you could be someone that will function in the comedic world because of the fact that you have to be jovial, have a great sense of humor, see life as something that is fun, you know, to a certain level, and you like to bring the life of a party or a gathering or anywhere just by your personality. Because when you show up, you, you just emit it by that disposition. So I could tell that purpose. Also, you could be someone that could function as an actor or an actress. Because people that are that way also, they tend to draw attention to themselves. They like to act out, literally. They like drama, let me just put it that way. To a certain level, they do, you see? So you have a disposition for that. Or you are someone that would like to work in the arts industry or in the modeling industry or any of the industries that always have to involve some level of expression. Now, because of that disposition that I'm seeing, you may also be someone that is athletic. You may be someone that wants to do sports. You may be someone that wants to do music. You would like to sing. You would like to showcase that part of you in any form or way, almost very quickly. So if I see some of those things, I could already tell that you don't mind the stage. So that means there's something that is inclinated towards presentation, courage, displaying your talents in that area, maybe in acting, maybe in presentation, maybe in pageantry. So you could be that type of person and I could watch and look at it and I could tell almost this is where you're calling. This is what you are created for. You are someone that wouldn't like to be kept in one place, not talking to anyone for days. You almost go mad, literally. You can't stay alone, just staying. I can stay in a place for a month without seeing a single human and I will miss nothing. Truly, I can do that. Maybe that's how I've been able to develop all the things I teach. These things I'm teaching didn't come from study. I didn't read it from nobody. With every sense of responsibility and humility, I excavated it. I dug it up myself from inside of myself, literally. But that's for another day. But I'm saying that to say that isolation, the possibility and the potentiality of the isolation gives me the leverage to be able to dig deep and get answers. Which people who are highly communicative, people who enjoy company, want to be the life of everything wherever, bring the light everywhere, don't want to do that. They would rather just have a great time and go their way than to be quiet. And I like quietness around me. There are times for other things, but most of the times I like things to be quiet. So my personality can be traceable back to my purpose. Because if I'm all bubbly at all times, want to be out there, here, attend this show, attend that match, watch that event, be here, there, organize this, organize, there's no way, how in the world can I be able to put 
together a material like this. There is no way that is even remotely possible. Simply because you will need to be isolated, you will need to be quiet, you will need to do internalized research. You really need to dig deep into an intelligent realm to have access to this type of knowledge that you can use to help people. So if I see that, I can tell you, hey, your purpose is this. So I've met people and immediately they tell me what they are doing. I say, you're in the wrong assignment with your life. Your purpose is totally contradictory what your personality I'm seeing. At least what you claim to be your purpose. Because purpose doesn't contradict your personality. But you can take on a purpose and say, this is what I want to do with my life. And what you are trying to do with your life is contrary to what you are really carrying within you. Your disposition contradicts your purpose. And now you have this back and forth and it's not who you are. People wake up every day and do jobs they hate. Go nine to five, do things they truly hate. And they wonder why at the end of the day they are not happy. They are not fulfilled. Why? Because their disposition, their personality type contradicts their purpose. Their personality type contradicts the purpose they claim they have. Your purpose inherently cannot contradict because the God who created you already invested in you the qualities and your temperament that is necessary to match the purpose that you are designated for. So you were properly matched. It is only when you decide you want to take on an assignment or you want to do something or be educated in a certain area and you try and gain some level of aptness or proficiency is something that has nothing whatsoever to do with your purpose now you have an internalized conflict that is raging between your disposition and your purpose and as a result of that you find out that you are not doing well in your area of disposition why is that you find out you are not doing well in your area of proficiency why not because you are misdeveloped you are miseducated because you are mis representing the originality of who you are and it creates a conflict and many millions of people on the earth sadly are failures so what am i trying to say you have a personality type your personality type will represent i never miss this never i'll give you an example a couple came to see me some years ago they walked into my enclave i was very busy but because they called in and booked a session I tried to be nice. I said, okay, you know what? I have a lot of work I'm doing. I'm working on some things I'm developing, which will benefit a lot of people as against just one person. Initially, did not want to give them that session. But after a while, so I decided, I said, okay, come. So they later came through sometime during the week and the man walked in with his wife. They sat down and the man started talking. He started telling me his problems. He started telling me his challenges, what he was facing. I was getting ready to tell the man, okay, I've heard you. Could you go now? Then let's prepare for it. Let's plan another session. Then in that time, I will look into your problems and see how I can advise you on changes you need to make and see if your problem is spiritual, if your problem is physical, or if your problem is just the way you think, I will be able to resolve it. Then we can look into solving your needs. That was what I was thinking. I was just about to tell him that when his wife chipped in and decided to speak. The very minute she opened her mouth, in two minutes, I changed my mind. In two minutes, I decided I was going to let them stay. And they ended up staying that day for four hours. You know why? Because once the wife spoke, she said some things, not the thing she said was unique, but the way she said it, she's a communicator by her temperament. I could 
tell immediately that her destiny has something to do with reportage, that she will make a good reporter because she presented a quick narrative that changed my mind on the spot. Why did that happen? Why did I decide to favor them at that point? It was because someone spoke who was operating from their level of disposition. She had no formal training whatsoever in communication. She had no formal training. But when she spoke, she was able to articulate words and she was able to line them up and she was trying to explain what they were dealing with and what she was seeing to be a recurrent problem that was holding them back from getting ahead in life. And as she was saying those things, I changed my mind. I decided I was going to do the session right there and there. And they spent four hours with me, which normally I wouldn't give to anyone. So what happened was because her purpose and her disposition was in line. And when she spoke, I was able to feel her purpose. I could tell her on the spot, this is, what do you do? I asked her and she told me I was working for a call center. It was a large company, a large multinational company. I was helping them to redirect people who were calling and whatever. And I told her immediately that you were in the right job, literally. I told her immediately that her proficiency matched what she was doing before. So I wanted to know why she quit that job and why she was trying to change. I could tell instantly why, because her disposition, her temperament, her conduct, her behavioral specifics, were in line with the composition that I felt was in line with her customary attitude, which was her approach to life, which was very different from the husband. Now, don't get me wrong, the husband definitely also had his own strength, but he was lost, totally lost. The things he was pursuing had no correlation with his disposition, with his purpose, with his abilities. I could see clearly, and I could see clearly someone that had failed. He was already in his 50s and he had achieved nothing with his life. You could call him a failure and not do him injustice by using those words. Not in a negative way, but just to say this man up until now has failed in everything. And when he was rambling through with everything he has dealt with, how nothing has worked, how this, whatever, I could see that his disposition was totally contradictory to the efforts he was making in life and the areas. He was just pursuing money. He just wanted to get paid one way or the other to take care of his responsibilities. It wasn't about purpose. It wasn't about getting fulfilled. There was a struggle. So much so he was telling me one day he was so frustrated, he almost decided it was time to end his life and kill his whole family all around. Could you believe that? That's what the man told me. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. He told me that he was so frustrated with life one day he thought that the way to end this whole thing is to ex his whole family in one day and kill himself. What is the meaning of that? I understand people get frustrated, but really, you really want to do that and terminate the potential of your lineage, the six children you are brought to this earth, you neutralize them because of what? Things are not going your way. Now, this is what I want to address. Your personality type is in direct correlation with your purpose. If you don't match it up perfectly, you will fail in life. People have tagged so many people as successful because they see the outcome of cash flow or some things that, you know, because success is weighted in many places, in many nations, in different cultures. There are different yardstick people use. But I notice one thing that is always a commonality is money. It's almost as if if you are well accomplished in something and you don't have a lot of money, you are not termed as successful. And when you have a lot of money to a certain level, even if we can't really isolate what you have really done to boost humanity, 
to a certain level, people will say you are successful. So, unfortunately, that's the world we live in today. But that's not the proper yardstick. Purpose has to match with designation, has to match with your disposition, or you will not be successful. The work, the things you do, have to match your inherent abilities, your inherent desires in alignment with what you were here to do. Your spirit is on a quest on the earth. And that quest is being animated through the body, expressing that which it wants to do. And whatever that thing is, is called purpose. It has something it wants to attain. And once that purpose is accomplished or been accomplished, fulfillment is automated. And by the automation of fulfillment, there is no way anyone will want to terminate or end their life abruptly. They will never. You can't be fulfilled and want to kill yourself. Every time you see people trying to do that, they are failing. Internally, people may be seeing their outward successes, but internally, there is a conflict going on. There's a war within their members. And as a result of that, they are falling apart. So now I need to explain this very clearly. If we must take full advantage, of that which we are here to accomplish. I will have a separate training for properly aligning your purpose, understanding what you were created to accomplish, how that plays into your personality type and how to be able to resolve it. So it's an advanced teaching that goes on for long. But let me just give you this bit to tell you that your disposition must match up with your purpose, period. Your temperament, your customary moods, your attitude, your behavioral conduct must all be associated with your innate composition, which must align with your purpose. If it doesn't align, you will not be fulfilled. And once you are not fulfilled, you will feel like a failure, even when you have done so much. And that's why we are in a world today where we see people who are accomplished in the physical, but dying on the inside. At the end of the day, they see themselves as failures. Why? Because there is a corruption that has occurred or that is occurring as a result of the disposition that is not matching the assignment or the work they are doing. So you have to find a way to do you, as is commonly said. Purpose must match your disposition. This is personal. I'm not talking about your culture because there are some cultures where the people automatically who are found in this culture are traders or commonly they are into this or they are commonly they are into finance or Commonly, they are into agriculture. I know that. And that has a lot to do with the influence that must have been sourced back from the original person whose personality gave birth to the ethnicity that gave birth to that culture. So you see that is encouraged. But at the end of the day, the core individuals are not getting, some people are not getting their areas met. Let me give you an example. In the United States of America, we have those that are originally were descendants of individuals that came from Africa. They were brought in there through slave ships and all that. So without getting into that, they are usually called black Americans. So now that is a culture and they celebrate that culture so much. But if you look into that culture, you will notice that that culture has a dominance. There is an industry they dominate and do extremely well in. And that industry has a lot to do with sports and entertainment. They do extremely well there because it's traceable back to the originality of the personalities of where they came from as an ethnic group that is traceable back to their personality. I will give you an example. West Africans produce the fastest humans on earth, period, because of the ethnicity or the biological configuration of the people that are from that part of the world. 
So it doesn't matter where you export them. They could be living in Canada. They could be living in America. They could be living in the UK. They could be living in Jamaica, in Barbados. It doesn't matter. When you do the Olympics, count the first 10. You will see they are all descendants of the ethnic people group of the West African descent. Why? Because they produce by the virtues of the lines of the features that are consistent in the peculiarity of that stock of people. Individuals that can move and pace fast. So they dominate and would always dominate it. It doesn't matter if you have 1.3 billion Chinese and 1.2 or 3 billion Indians, they cannot produce, irrespective of how large that tribe or those tribes of people are, because they are still made up of, they have Cantonese, Mandarin, and there are different tribes that make up the Chinese. The Chinese is, is a country, but that's, it's not a tribe. The tribes are now smaller group of ethnicities that are contained within that, also in, in India and every other place. So, but I'm saying that if you put all of them together and get the fastest people, they can still make up and make the first 10 or make the first 20. And if they're able to get into the first 20s, it's a difficult push. Even though they have the numeric strength, the reason is because there is a genetic advantage that the West Africans have that have produced for them in the area of speed that they have unlocked. So when you expose them to the same level of quality of training that other Caucasians, other Asians, and other Indians, Red Indians, and every other person is exposed, they will produce, at the end of the day, faster individuals than the rest of the cultures. The simple reason is because of a stock, a peculiarity of stock. So I don't care if your name is Ben Johnson or your name is Carl Lewis. I don't care what your name is. You come from that same stock of people that were exported out of West Africa for more than 300, 400 years ago. And as a result of that, it has produced a stock or a line. Now, so they do well. They do extremely well in the physicality of contact sports which also is inclusive in basketball and every other thing. Not even because of the height. The West Africans are not the tallest Africans. No, no, no. If you want to find the tallest Africans, you have to go to like the Dinka tribe of South Sudan. That's where you see a tribe of tall people, really tall. I've had the opportunity of standing with them and they are really, really tall. It comes very natural to them. But they can play the game of basketball as good as their West African colleagues. Why? Because those ones are more genetically advantage of dynamism. In order for you to play that sport, you have to be very dynamic. That means you have to have agility. And agility has a lot to do with your DNA. It has a lot to do with your DNA because it's physical. It's a physical contact sport. So as a result of that, it requires some level of dynamic agility, which these taller ones in South Sudan have the height, which is an advantage in the game, but don't have the agility. So they can produce that quickness and agility that you will require in order for you to play the game of basketball. You see how it works? 
Now, even though the game is represented, every of course, Caucasians are playing it, everyone is playing it from all over the planet. The Chinese too are doing their bit. They've produced the Yao Mings of this world and all that. So we know that everyone can really play the game. But who is dominating? Check the first 50, 60, 70. Check the aggregate of numbers. You will find out that there is an ethnic group of people from West Africa that have a line through their ancestry that has produced a strength that is consistent and as a result of that has produced an advantage for them and that advantage has brought them to a place where they are able to produce and dynamically with agility and speed function in the sports. Watch it, it's the same thing with boxing. Just look at all the major sports that involves agility, speed, dynamism. That's where they do well. But if you take away some of those technicalities from them, they will not dominate there. But if it has to do with agility and speed, they will dominate. And that's why they reign when it comes to do with speed and reign in some specific sports within that. Whether it's the long job, the triple job, you see a lot of that is consistent with agility and speed. So that is it. But you must understand something because I'm going somewhere with this. So because that culture has a lot of role models who have done very well in sports and earn millions of dollars by the virtue of their speed and their agility and their dynamism. As a result of that, the culture has a high standard of excellence in that area. So the influence is very high, which is traceable back to the giftings of the personalities of those who were the originators of that culture. And as a result of that, that has produced an excellent disposition in that field. So anyone who has the body, because you need physicality, you need the strength, you need the height, right? You need the height. You can't be a good volleyballer if you are not tall. You have to be tall. You can't be a good basketballer. You can't be short in basketball. Six feet is even considered short to a certain level. So there are some six footers who are playing the game, but they are really fast because what you lack in height, you have to make up for in speed or you can't play the game because it's highly competitive. And there are so many young adults who want to play the game. So every day they are giving birth to them, literally. And they height up, you know, they tower up very quickly. So now that is very consistent in that culture. And as a result of that, they excel and do very well in that field. So if you have a disposition or a purpose in life to entertain, to sing, to dramatize, to perform, and you are born into that culture, almost by default, your advantage because of the environment of that emphasis, you will almost shine. It will come out very quickly. It will be identified very early and it will be cultivated very fast simply because of the advantage. But is it not interesting? That group of people, there are still people that are called to be computer programmers within them. There are those that are called into technical skills. There are those that are called into things that has to do with deep learning, writing codes for artificial intelligence and all these things. But this is where the problem is. Because the culture does not trace itself back to that line of operation or that line of functionality or to that line of disposition, it's not well represented there. So those who are called and have a purpose for programming and all that 
have to really work hard and move out possibly out of the culture to a large extent if they are going to ever shine and become prolific in that disposition why because the asians for example are dominating that field literally the ai the programming they are dominating it there's something asian about robotics i can't explain and i don't know why especially people from china people from japan people from singapore all the way to malaysia and some other parts of thailand and all that there's a lot of technicality taiwan you know south korea and all that so if you are good with programming you are excellent in programming you have a propensity a calling and a purpose in that disposition naturally you will flourish in that culture simply because there is something traceable to the root of the persona of the people through which that culture was eventually produced that encouraged the mechanics and the robotics and things that are the underlining things that had to do with the numbers and the kinetics and everything that connects with the physics of that which is now encouraged so when you are born into that environment where there is a lot of emphasis on that people who have that see for example a lot of programmers coming out from india there's a lot of that so there are enough of them there was a time two three hundred thousand students every year are graduating from indian schools and they are coming out as programmers and code writers and all that so when a nation is producing at that number there is no way they can have all of them to stay in the same nation literally because they will always outproduce the number they will need every year so they end up exporting so they export to the americas they export to north america they export to africa they export to other places so i've been in an african country where the it department of a bank is run totally by indians of one bank in an african country and it's not south africa it's not south africa the bank the whole it was exported or rather imported from india simply because the disposition that disposition of coding and all that is inherent in that culture and that culture encourages it so as a result of that those who have a propensity but everyone can be coders. Not everyone is called to do that. Not everyone is called. Not everyone has that disposition. So everyone who has that disposition is well harvested. That's what I'm trying to say. Everyone who has the disposition for sports and born into the black culture has an advantage already because that industry is well encouraged. Whether it's dancing, whether it's singing, whether it's performing, whether it's contact sports, whether it's running. If you are good with that, you're at home, literally. And if you can stay away from the traps of the culture, which are the things I will still deal with in the course of the training, then you will find it almost second nature to flourish in that area of disposition. So the cultures, there are cultures that encourage some dispositions and there are some cultures that do not. And that is always traceable back to the originality of the first person or the first persons that is the great 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 grandfather traceable now to the ethnic group of people who are now descendants of that individual that has now also produced that culture or nation from which you can now harvest a large number of people so i hear some people say this and actually it's not true they will say oh i'm a lawyer you know my son got it from me because i'm a lawyer you know i'm a doctor 
my son wants to do medicine. He got it from me. No, no. You gave him the body, the housing, by your DNA. The spirit in him had to be given him by the creator. And the creator will give him whatever purpose he has assigned him to do on the earth. Now, if the purpose that was given him somehow matches your own, then that gives him an advantage. You will naturally encourage it and he will naturally flourish because of you. So that's why there are people in sports who their children are doing extremely well in sports because their purpose matched with their fathers. And because their father had already created an excellent environment for that purpose to thrive and flourish. When they came under that umbrella, they flourished automatically. So that is well understood. But you cannot now say, this boy is a doctor just because of me. No, you can reproduce your biology in them, but your spirituality, you cannot give them purpose. Purpose has to come from the source and the father of all spirits who put that human spirit in them. And that is always in line with the purpose he has for them. So you could be a legal professional, but your kid doesn't want to come near the court, is not interested in legal matters or legal debates, doesn't want to hear the word lawyer except he has a problem. Maybe he will want to write code. Maybe he want to play sports. Maybe he would rather be a medical practitioner. You see, his disposition is always in alignment with his purpose. Unfortunately, a lot of people misconstrue this, thinking it to be the case, and they now make their children to study or their children to have a disposition in line with this. And as a result of that, it creates a conflict and the child struggles. I will give you an example. There was a man I know. I don't know the man in person, but I know his kids, especially one, one particular one I want to mention. And the father woke up one morning and said, you know what, I'm an accountant and I like medicine too. So all my kids, single file. Then he divided all the kids into two groups. The ones on my left, all of you are going to be doctors. The ones on my right, the rest of you are going to be accountants. What a mess. What is the meaning of that? He said, I'm your father. That's what I'm paying for. And if you don't study these courses or this program and become proficient in this area, I will not pay for your school fees, your college fees. What a mess. And the man enforced his will upon his kids. Now, one of the children, one of them, a certain boy, was in medical school and he failed five times. He couldn't come out because he had no propensity for it. He had no disposition for it. It was not his purpose, but his father gave it to him. And after a while, the mother started going everywhere for prayers, looking for who can help his son because his son is having a spiritual problem. So when I heard about it, I said, I know, I know the spirits that are disturbing that boy. It's his father. His father is that spirit. Simple. Why? Because it's not his propensity. How can he fail five times? He can't come out of medical school. You find a way to get him in, but now he can't come out because he keeps failing. He keeps failing. By now, they should have sent him away and say, this is not your calling. But because his father insists, I've paid all this money, you must walk out with a degree. Who says you must walk out with a degree? If it's not your propensity, you're in the wrong place. It's like a car that veered off the highway and is heading into a ditch. And while this car is heading into a ditch, someone says, turn the steering of this car around and drive right way up or you end up in the ditch. 
No, the person said no. I'm already heading towards the ditch. What's the need? Let's just ride all the way and see how it ends. That's how it is. You are heading in a ditch. You are heading in the wrong direction. It's not your disposition. It's not your purpose. You don't have the gifts for it. You don't have the potential for it. It is not your calling. And yet you are heading to a ditch. It's obvious you are going to fail in life. It's obvious you are being miseducated. It's obvious you are storing and exposing yourself to an area you have no business in. But you continue. You insist you must have a degree from it at the end of the day. One word is called failure. You will fail. Not by someone's wishes, by your actions. Because your disposition contravenes your purpose. Your disposition contravenes your purpose. Your disposition contravenes your purpose. So if you want to attain your purpose and not fail in life you must understand that you have a personality type and your personality type is a window to your purpose which type of person are you what is your mood in life what is your attitude towards life what is your behavioral conduct what can we associate with your innate compositions i'm telling you is an aggregate of your purpose and once it's properly aligned, it will produce success. And if it's not properly aligned, you will fail in life. And that's why we have people, most of humanity fail, literally. And it's all a function of how they did not match their personality type to their purpose. So I just need to move on because there's so much, but I need to do a separate podcast only on this. And really, really drill down and bring out facts and compare and complete this thing because if I continue here we can't finish this teaching in order for me to really deliver on the culturality of what I'm trying to bring to our lives so that we can understand where and what it takes for us not to be corrupt and fail in our expectations and designation in life so now let me move to the next personality trait your next personality trait is your character your character now i've talked about the personality types so that one is your disposition which we have established clearly now we're talking about your personality traits your personality trait is your characteristics or your core character what is your character this applies to the aggregate of moral qualities the aggregate of moral qualities by which a person is judged the aggregate of moral qualities by which a person is judged in relation with how they relate with others. That is your character. There are a lot of people who don't understand that their core personality is dictated by their core character. So character applies to the aggregate of moral qualities by which a person can be judged in relation with how they relate with others. When you have a purpose in life, definitely that purpose would demand you serve humanity, either in form of goods produced and manufactured or services rendered. So that means you will serve others. And how you treat others, how you conduct yourself with others has a lot to do with your overall personality. Whether you will be a person of qualitative integrity or someone who has corrupted themselves and could be termed as bad so you could have good character or you could have a bad character 
and it has a lot has a lot to do with how you were raised it has a lot to do with how you were raised for example if you are very patient with people it's a character strength you are good to people you're a very peaceful person you are kind-hearted people can find you to be trustworthy that means you're honest you are truthful in your ways. You are merciful to those who need it at any time. You endure others. You always do the right thing no matter what. No matter who will try to seduce your conduct, you would always find a way to do what is right. You conduct yourself in a way whereby you have self-control. All these are qualities. You are someone that conducts yourself in a very meek and a mild way. When you conduct with others you are wise in your ways you are tender-hearted you exercise a lot of zeal when it has to do with people you love and care for you are very severe or thorough in any work that is giving you all these are qualities all these are characteristics all these are characteristics you are very gentle quite amiable people can look at you and say oh that man is a good man Character formation. In our world today, people are not looking at character. We talk about so many other things. This is what I want to do. This is who I want to do it with. This is how I want it to be done. We have a selfish way of conducting of everything we do is all about you. Everything is all about you. The earth revolves around you, literally. You either have your way or nothing. And this destroys the fiber of our traits. And it has a lot to do with how we were raised. A lot of people don't care about integrity. They are dishonest. They are liars. They cheat. They deal. If they want money, they will get it whichever way necessary. They don't care who they hurt. They don't care who they harm. They don't care who they cheat. They don't care who they defraud. There is a whole industry of people that dedicate themselves night and day to defraud others. How in the world are you not damaged? How in the world have you not corrupted yourself? Do you know what integrity is? The word integrity means you are incorruptible. That means you cannot be corrupt. It doesn't matter. No one can bribe you to do what is wrong. There are places people are judges. They take bribe. Places people are biased. And they will literally judge against their moral compass simply because it suits their political preference. How sad. What they do not know is that after you do it, you corrupt your morality and your personality becomes corrupt. And one thing about corruption is that once it starts, it will not stop until it consumes your whole spirit. And unfortunately, your descendants will inherit that character flaw as a result, at least the influence of that character flaw. Since your spirit will not be reproduced, since they will still have their own spirit, but the influence of your spirit will be strong on them. And once the buckle under the strength of your corruption, your progenitors or your descendants will not have integrity. This is what is happening today. We emphasize so much on credentializations obtainable in Ivy League and big schools, but little emphasis on integrity, little emphasis. A lot of people are not truthful. They don't love their fellow man. They don't care who they harm or hurt as far as they get what they want. They are never glad when other people do well. It's only when they do well that they rejoice. They never rejoice for another person. Never. They never seek peace. They're never patient. Even though they too pass through a process that must have brought them to where they are today. They are never patient with others. What do you think that is? Is a functionality of bad characteristics. And it has a lot to do with the way you were raised. If you were properly raised in a home or in a setting or in an environment where your parents 
value character and speak to you about truth, godly living, about conducting yourself properly, about not throwing a tantrum every time things don't go your way, teaching you how not to cheat or steal from another. What does that do? It imbues the characteristics of your personality that will make you to become an upright person. So doing what is right will come very natural to you. But when your characteristics are contradictory to your inherency by the reason of corruption, it will produce a behavior that will not only subvert your purpose in the long run, it will ruin your essence. And that's why you look at some people's nature and you just know they are bad, literally. They may have greatness written all over them, but their character is so, so, so bad. I met someone recently. I said, God, if this human is the last human on earth and his house is the last house, the last shelter on this earth, I would rather stay with the elements and freeze to oblivion, literally leave the earth. I would rather die than to share a roof under this fellow because his character was just so bad. I could see he has no care for his fellow man. How can you serve humanity with your gift, with your talents, with your disposition and your purpose, without character? That's what I'm trying to say. First is your disposition, which is your personality type. Then we are still going to deal with your giftings and your talents, which I've also mentioned. But all that is glued together by your characteristic, your core character, your integrity. And if you don't have integrity, there is no way you can be able to successfully fulfill your purpose, accomplish your designation, attain your proficiency, and realize the fullness of maximizing your existence. It will not happen because your personality will be bad. It will be corrupt. A lot of people are compromising. They see an opportunity, they defraud their company. They know how to move money to strange islands secret accounts stashed somewhere at the expense of the people that set up the institution and they will say no these guys are too rich they will miss a few millions here and there the problem is that you've lost your integrity you've corrupted your nature you're ruined literally your personality is damaged and as a result of that you are going to hand over a damaged personality of influence to your descendants and by the time they become their own ethnicity that will now come as a natural flaw of disposition. They will find themselves constantly defrauding others and they can't explain why. That's what we call the sins of the fathers. Have caused the teeth of the children to be set on edge. It becomes a curse. Character is everything. I'm telling you the truth. I don't care what I have and I don't have. I can't lose my integrity. That's all I have. Because that's what people remember. They won't remember how gifted you are. They won't remember the things you have said. They won't remember the accomplishments, the houses you lived, the cars you drove. Nobody will remember that. But people will remember the way you treat them. People will always remember the way you treat them, the way you serve them, the way you discharge your value. People will always remember. That will stay with them forever. And that is what is a function of character. Character is the aggregate of moral qualities by which a person is judged in relation with how they relate and treat others. How you treat others would always reflect your character. When you have a damaged character, it will show in how you conduct with others. 
I've met a lot of people who are just wicked, literally. They have been hired by a company to offer a certain type of service. But in two, three minutes, I know I have just run into a dead end. Literally, you see the way they are not there to serve. They are not there to fulfill purpose. They are not there to accomplish what the company really put them there. It's all about their feelings. And once they don't feel good about how your needs are not, because you are definitely there to meet a certain type of need, whether it's services or goods, and they are meant to serve it. But now they begin to mistreat you. And God forbid it's a government institution where there is really no checks and balances because they can't be fired. They don't really care. Even while you are still talking, they can pack their bags and say, see you tomorrow, I'm done for the day. Because they don't care. It's not about you, it's about them. There won't be any recompense for their actions because it's not a profit-making institution like companies that are set up to make a profit. This is what is happening today. We have a lot of business owners, billionaires on earth who have so much resources but don't have integrity. They lie and feign under different guises for why they do what they do. By the end of the day, we know they don't have integrity. They don't care for their fellow man. It's always about them. They take advantage. Look at what has happened in our world today. Look at how there's a global pandemic, as it were, that's damaged and destroyed the income of millions and millions of people. But the ruling elite don't care. They want to continue to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and squeeze. And that is a functionality of a dead spirit. It's a functionality of a corrupted trait. And these leaders are really showing who they are. They claim they are trying to protect the people. But at the end of the day, they don't care. People die every day anyway. To them, you are just a number. But they have an agenda. They prefer to control lives. And that control is what they are enjoying, literally. So the more people are suffering, the more they continue doing the things that are bringing about that suffering. It's really bad. It's a functionality of a corrupted character. It's a functionality of a corrupted character. They don't have integrity. So you have to watch out for the integrity of your words. The children you are raising. I was in a house one time and I said, no, I can't live in this house. Me and this kid, a four-year-old kid was running the house. I said, no, never. A four-year-old kid can't run me. I don't care the leeway his parents are giving him. This kid is crazy. I can sort him out. I can mold him in 24 hours. I told the parents. I told them. I said, okay, allow me to work on him. In five days, he was changed. In five days, his transformation started. In one month. He was a brand new human. His mother couldn't believe it. Before, when he comes, he plays outside, he comes into the house, and the mom says, go straight into the bathroom. He says, I'm not going there. I am not going there. And he storms away into his room and goes to sleep. He doesn't care. And he will eat his dinner and still go to bed, and he will not take a wash. And his mom can't force it. A four-year-old, under whose roof? We were not raised like that. We were raised properly. It's not a debate. It's not open for conversation. You are told what to do and you do it. Nobody cares about your stupid feelings. You do what you are told. We were raised that way. And it gave us strength of character today. It gave us strength of character today. It helped us in the long run. If you allow your kids to always have their way, you ruin them. You claim you love them, but you don't. Your kids are not your friends. No, they are your descendants. You are meant to raise them. Raising means training and it's spiritual. That means you need to work on their character. You need to work on their character. There was a man who got upset in a bar and hit someone. And I think he stabbed the person also with a broken bottle or something. And the person, you know, was rushed to the ICU. 
Eventually, the person died. When the cops came in, they first charged him with malicious assault on someone else in a bar. Before it was night time, the charges was piled on with murder of the second degree. Why? Simply because he lost his temper and he decided he was going to beat this person. And before you know it, he killed the person. Now, the mother of this person is coming out and is telling people that this is not fair. My son has to spend the rest of his life in jail because he was sentenced to life imprisonment. My son has to spend the rest of his life in jail. And she's feeling bad and she's feeling terrible and people are also feeling bad for her. But people are also feeling bad for how about the person that was killed? Because that one also has a mother. Doesn't he have a mother? Doesn't he have a brother and a sister? You see a lot of young people in cultures shooting each other, killing each other. And at times I ask myself a question. The person you are putting a bullet in his head, do you know he has a mother? Have you ever thought how his mother is going to feel tonight when that news is told him that his only son or his first son has been murdered? What comes to your mind when that occurs? How about what his sister will feel that night? How about what his brother and his siblings will feel and his uncle will feel? But because it's all about your feelings at that time, you strike out. So when these children or when this boy was growing up, did he strike out? He did. Did he throw tantrums when he didn't have his way? He did. Did his mother stop it? No, you let him have his way. He acted a fool in public. He wanted his way, he must have it. And you encouraged him, you indulged him. You permitted him to do what he wanted to do. Now, you don't know that that is a character flaw that is already growing in him. And as an adult, he would always want to have his way in many settings. And when he walks into a bar someday, he has a simple altercation. People altercate all the time with people. But some just walk away. Others will just sort it out with a fist fight. But others will look for something sharp. And before you know it, it becomes a death grip. And they end up killing someone. Now he's in jail. Now he has to spend the rest of his life in jail. And the rest of his adult life is being wasted. And now you are feeling bad that his life is wasted. But did you pay attention to the fact that when he was throwing tantrums as a kid. Did he ever occur to you that this could end his life or his meaningful life or his proficient life or his free life one day if these tantrums are not checked? Did you know? His mother did not think that way. So you have to go after the flaws. Now you have to go after the integrity now because if they get corrupt, Children are getting corrupt every day. One of the worst things that have happened in this generation is how the older generation has corrupted the younger generation and refused to raise them, allow them to do what they want, how they want. Before they get to college, some of them are already pregnant, some others are already addicted on drugs, others can't go to school every day except they're high on weed. It's a mess. And this was not the way the older generation raised our own generation. This was not how it was done. The character was looked into and there were things you can do. There was a time we had to wake up, there were times we had to go to sleep. I was telling someone the other day, how about if it was possible, the man who overslept, who was the supervisor of the Chernobyl nuclear plant in Ukraine in the 80s, how about if that man as a child was told to never oversleep or go to bed or go to rest when you are supervising anything? Maybe in literally two times, when he's given a chore, he sleeps off. Now, 
He's the supervisor. He sets a stress test in motion and he goes home and goes to bed. By the time he wakes up or by the time he was finally alerted that there's a problem in the Chernobyl nuclear plant, the rods have already overheated and it has melted and had one of the most disastrous, if not the most disastrous nuclear catastrophe that's ever happened in our lifetime. How about if someone had rebuked, corrected, trained him to always be attentive, be responsible all the way through. Don't leave things to others. Don't expect as a leader, your followers will just do what is necessary, especially on big tasks such as overseeing a nuclear plant. But what did he do? He didn't do what he was meant to do. He overslept. He went to rest. He felt he needed to. And by the time he woke up, a generation was destroyed. You know how many people died? You know how many people are still suffering in their body from the side effects of the Chernobyl explosion? And the fact that large swaths of land is still radioactive and left till today, barren and covered with vegetation and animals. Literally, you could still see the standing structures of some of those buildings that had to be evacuated. That's what I'm trying to say. You need to raise the character of the people that are dependent on you. When you do that, you give them a fighting chance at not only normalcy, but a fighting chance at success in life. Don't think that if they don't have integrity and they go to the best schools and at the end of the day, they may come out and through connections, join the elite and be presenting themselves as people that are important in society, but internally they will be dying because they will always exhibit and exercise their services to others in a corrupt platform because they themselves are corrupt. They don't have right characteristics. In order for you to have character, there is the negative and the positive. So the negative is when someone has a bad character. The positive is when someone grows in the right character. So what is the opposite of someone that throws a lot of tantrum, anger? It's calmness, it's patience. So one is negative, the other is positive. You see, there are people that are always hopeful, always expectant, always expect the best from others. And as a result of that, they're always hopeful. And it's easier for them to go through life. It's easier for them to lead others. It's easier for others to count on them because of their characteristics that are solid. Because of their characteristics that are solid. So what I'm going to do is, at this point, I want to emphasize something. You have to find a way to raise those that you are opportune to be a role model for them because character is everything i had an athlete the other day say something about someone it was so negative and so bad and this person was a leader of a nation and i shook my head i said no integrity he wasn't raised he wasn't raised i can tell already it was single parent home because fathers have a will of you know you have a balance you have good mothers but a good mother can never make a good father it doesn't matter you can't make it up i don't care how much you try because the roles differ and that's a training for another day the role of a man in the home is different from the role of a woman in the home women nourish so they do very well when it comes to nourishing the child but when it comes to raising them the men do better that's why when children are born we don't call them motherless we call them fatherless because most of the times they have a mother but it's always the father that is absent and the child will do very well even as a child in the absence of a father until they become teenagers once they become teenagers the roles swap now they will need their father more than they need their mother. Why? Because they, are, they don't need nourishment anymore. They now they need to be trained. They don't need nourishment anymore. Women are nourishers. They are life givers. So they pour themselves literally into a child. First in the womb, birth the child and still grow the child. And literally nourish the child. So they do well 
both emotionally and every other way necessary. Most of the kids in jail today have mothers, but many of them don't have fathers. They have mothers. They were actually nourished, but when they became teenagers, they started rebelling. But there was no father. And then the anger and all the problems, societal problems, began to escalate in their lives. And systematically, you see the corruption that is a result of the absentee fathers showing up in their lives. They lack the integrity and systematically they are bad in a certain area and their character is flawed. This is the problem that is affecting us and they are all over the jail system, all over the world. Absentee fathers are damaging the personality of the young people en masse. So the role of a father is different from a mother and it changes, it swaps. You need your mother more as a child, but once you become a teen, you need your father more. You still will need your mother, but the father needs to, to be at the forefront. If he doesn't, the kid will be ruined, literally. And if the child is not ruined and they still find a way to make it through in life, they will still be missing some qualities. I know that. <laughs> I know that. They will still be missing some qualities because qualities take time to build. They need a role model. They need someone in their lives. They need someone present. These are the things that I will look into. So I will leave the teaching for today here because of time constraints and I will continue in the next one. The next one I will try as much as possible because I don't want this training to have a, a four-part series. But if it does, what can I do? Because at the end of the day, I want you to get something out of what I'm teaching. So please listen again into this because you can never extrapolate everything that I have brought in just one sitting. So I will just close with this. Remember... There are three things here. One person, personal, produces personality. Personality produces a family that produces a family that produces a family. It becomes a clan, becomes a group of people. It becomes an ethnicity. The ethnicity, on the other hand, expands and it will produce a culturality. One, the person is an individual, so it's more of a family. Ethnicity is a group of people, while culture is more of a nation. So that's why we say the soul of a nation. Then we say the body of a people than the spirit of an individual. That's why we call it the human spirit. We always say that because we are emphasizing an individual personality. And all these are intertwined and interconnected. Personality produces who you are. Your ethnicity will produce what you do. And your culturality will determine why you do it. And all this put together is what forms and produces individuals from individualistic to people to nations. And that's how cultures eventually are born and established. When I come back in my next teaching, I will still continue from character. I will touch off on it. Then I'll move to the next one, which is the personality, talents or gifts. Then from there, we now move over to ethnicity then we now move to culture. So we are still in number one, which is personality. Then we move to ethnicity. And then finally, we'll move to culturality. So I hope this has really helped everyone. I hope you've really enjoyed it. Please listen to it over and over again. And I'll try as much as possible to continue where we stop in Black Rage. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Black Rage. I hope you found it educative and life enriching. If you do have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us and we will get back to you. If you haven't done so at this point, please subscribe to our podcast so that you can be notified every time we post a new episode. If we have met your informational expectations, 
in any form or way and you feel so inclined, you can leave us a four or five star review accordingly. Please also consider supporting this show through your willful donations. That will really be appreciated. We rarely do have so much content on cue to freely give away and enrich the lives of many people. But the production constraints compels us to source and receive encouragement towards producing many more life-enriching contents just like this. So, you can do so by clicking on the donate button or the link provided. We really look forward to hearing from you. Thanks once again for tuning in. And until our next episode, please stay relevant.